presents Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Friday, 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 Friday. Willard Ramirez is the company. Ari in our Finley Toyota Studios. Cofield, busy Friday. We've got uh, upwards of, uh, I don't know, three, four, five, six, ten different former NFL players coming on today to uh, break things down. Eagles and Raiders on Sunday. We've got our cool after party over at Crazy Horse 3 Gentlemen's Club. That'll be going down from 4 to 7. I'll be over there. Busy weekend. VGK, Sunday game, but first up, the game tonight. We'll get into the matchup against the Oilers in about 15 minutes with uh, one of the experts from the AP when it comes to the National Hockey League. Oh, yeah! Oh, baby! And we got last night to recap. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Cleveland Browns. Well, we were on the right side on the air. We told you little bit of an overreaction to Baker Mayfield going out. Might be sad for Baker to realize that, uh, according to the sports books here in town, Willie, that he's only worth about two and a half, three points. Be fun going to the negotiating table in the offseason and saying, hey, I want $28 million here. Hey, buddy, Case Keenum doesn't seem that much worse than you. But it's only one game. Case Keenum's terrible. Uh, they win the game. The real downer of the game is the fact that the Broncos, this isn't a downer for Raiders fans, but the Broncos can't beat a Case Keenum-led Browns team. Both teams are very much in flux for different reasons. Well, not just a Case Keenum-led team, but a team that's missing some running backs and, and dinged up. And, you know, I think that we've gone over this several weeks in a row now. The Denver Broncos... Started out 3-0 and and had had a lot of Broncos fans happy. Had Bronco country, uh, you know, ecstatic. But look at who they beat. And when it came time to step up to real competition, their true colors have been exposed. So, you know, and, and, and I'm not sure how much that says for what the Raiders did last week, although they were looking to flex their muscles and sort of get get that uh, get that burden, get that stress off their their shoulders, but the bottom line is the Broncos, and I think the Browns could emerge. It depends on how long Mayfield's out. Now we find out more, but the Browns are better than than Denver. Um, it you know, and I'm not sure how much Cleveland fans need to be concerned, need to worry. But that AFC North with Baltimore leading the charge and surprising Bengals team. So yeah, I mean both teams in flux. Denver's got some issues. And both teams because of the Mayfield, the potential of Mayfield going down for you know, the rest of the season at some point, 
both teams, and you mentioned it, the story is the divisions. There's no easy mark, and both divisions are good. The AFC North and the AFC West are very good. So we got the Eagles in town. Uh, should have a bunch of Philly fans in town along with uh, Edmonton fans and New York Islanders fans in town. So big sports weekend for Las Vegas. I think one of the things we're going to examine throughout the show today, and we're going to talk to uh, former Eagles Mark McMillan and Barrett Brooks in about 35 minutes. Uh, those guys actually were on the Eagles when Gruden was starting to cut his teeth in Philly early on in his career. But uh, one of the big things we're going to talk about is what happens on the sideline. And I, I, I still, I don't know if I can't get past. I think it's very interesting. It's very telling what Josh Jacobs said about the sidelines last week at the game against Denver without Gruden there. And he was like, yeah, things were pretty calm. And no one was cussing and yelling at the referees. Uh, how many waves did that make around the Raiders this week as you were covering the lead up to this Eagles game? Well, and you know what? I, it, it was the comfortability. And though he said it in a laughing manner, you know, kind of chuckled at the podium. It was the comfortability of him being able to say that. You know what? Why would he say that then? And we haven't heard that. You know, if, you, if you're asking a question after a tenuous game or a tough game or this, and he's, you know, when you ask about things going on, it, do we never hear... You know, well, things are tense. Things are, you know, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress. There's this. We're, we're, we're focused on this. We're, I had never thought. I'd, you never I, mean, I guess I never thought of it because I'm not down on the sidelines well, with the Raiders. And, and just from my experience covering UNLV, um, I don't think the last two, the current coach Arroyo and the former coach Sanchez, I don't think there was anxiety or super tightness. So no. Gruden must be like next level freaking out of his mind at times. Well, and you see it when you're watching from afar. If you're watching it on TV, you see how how angry and that crinkly face and just his, you know, his demeanor. You just wouldn't expect that he would let that sort of bleed into how he's letting it flow into his players. Because they were all funny that, faces. That, like, that I, like, that's just him. And then you're yeah. like, wait a second. Wait, the players are being affected by it. At least some are. Now, well, that yeah. doesn't mean every guy on the team is like Josh Jacobs. They're, you know, when, co- when uh, players start talking about coaches who are gone and some things come out, um, you know, you find out maybe they had a problem with the coach or, you know, and who knows what, who knows what the deal is with Josh Jacobs. Maybe that was, it could have been an innocent remark. Maybe he didn't feel easy on the sidelines. Maybe there's something going back to some of his issues uh, off the field, you know, and the way Gruden handled it. Or really, the other thing is you can have some players on the team who are like this mother, what he said in yeah. those emails. And they're like, and it's, you know, and there the offensive skill position players are the ones that are probably ha- will have felt it the most. I, I can't imagine that the defensive line or the cornerbacks he's going to get on his his cornerbacks co- or his, de- uh, his secondary coach, his de- defensive coordinator. He's going to tell, hey, you tell them do this. Da 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 da. His offensive players they're going to hear it first and foremost because they're what's exp- he's the offensive guy. He was making the play calling. He was ex- he was expected. You know, so. The fact that Josh Jacobs said that, you know, man, the sideline, it was like there was no anxiety. It was weird. It was like everybody was calm. You didn't even have somebody cussing at you or going crazy at the refs. None of that. So, yeah, it was affecting certain. And you know what? Like you said, maybe it wasn't affecting all 53 guys, but if it's affecting your star running back, and hey, by the way, we've been saying, where's the running game for five weeks? Maybe there there was that that mental aspect where negative energy flowing from one person to the other, and then it flows from the next person to the huddle, and all of a sudden it affects the unit. So yeah, you get a guy like Rich Basaccia who's laying off and just trying to feel his way through. Now that being said, three weeks down the road, we don't know where 
things are going to be, if frustrations rise, if losses and you know whatever they got, they have a bye week coming up, so that's going to be good. I think this is a big week, a statement week for themselves within the unit to prove that last week wasn't a fluke. They come home, the crowd will be energetic, and then they can take some time off and sort of just embrace everything. Because remember, they have not really had time. If you think about it, they played the Chargers on a Monday. The email comes out on Friday. They lose to the Bears. The next, the, the the article comes out, or the excuse me, let me go back. The article, not the email. The article comes out on Friday. Then the other article comes out on the Monday. Now they got to regroup. They go. They got to fly to Denver. Now they got to come home. So they haven't really had time to just sort of breathe and unwind. It's been go 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 since that Monday night blowout loss in in Los Angeles. Coming up. Let's break down uh, VGK taking on Edmonton tonight. 7 o'clock start over at the Fortress. Willie Ramirez here. It's Cofield. We're getting ready for a big football weekend. It's a football Friday, but we got to get in some Golden Knights talk. We're going to talk to Danny Webster, who covers the team, and get into is there a growing concern about Golden Knights fans actually showing up for the games. It was kind of light on Wednesday night in terms of attendance. And, of course, the star of the night tonight is Connor McDavid. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Now O'Reilly comes down the middle, dropped it off for a shot, block, rebound, score! Too many chances for the Blues, and they finally cash in. Brandon Sutton follows it up, and it's a 1-1 tie three minutes into the second. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, let's see if the Knights can get out of this mini-funk. It's early in the season. We'll also talk about the attendance tonight and what the makeup of the crowd will be. Willie Ramirez is here. News Flasher's 79 games left. Yeah. It's Cofield, Ari, Finley Toyota Studios, Edmonton is in town. Uh, Danny Webster covers the NHL for NHL.com, is at all these night's games. Danny, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, guys. How are y'all doing? We're good. Daniel? Daniel? William? (laughs) So, my friend, uh, latest development, Alec Martinez is added to the list. What is up with the mass unit, better known as the Golden Knights? Uh, well, if you talk to anybody else, we'd probably think the sky is falling right now at almost 3.30 in the afternoon with Connor McDavid coming to town. So things aren't looking too good. Uh, but Nick Haig goes up in the top pair with Alex Petrangelo tonight. Zach Whitecloud moves up with Shea Theodore, and it looks like Dylan Coghlan will be making his season debut uh, with Brady McNabb tonight. So if you were to rate, uh, I guess, 1 through 10 on how – crazy things you get tonight, probably about a good 11. Uh, that would be my guess. This is, you know, and that's one of the areas we've talked about, you've written about, you know, um, and you and I, we sit next to each other. So, I mean, is that the defensive end, you know, you thought coming into the season, right? The top six was supposed to be in place. It was a matter of what was going to take place. Alex Tuck out for a while. Who was going to, you know, center that, that third line? What was good? But the defense was supposed to be the strength. And in the last game, you know, we saw that, you know, is is a little bit of a slugfest against the Blues. But if the offense can't produce, then it really sort of makes what the defense is doing irrelevant. If Leonard is turning back goals, the defense, you know, he let in two goals in a tight game. 
So on paper, it's a loss, but he he put forth his best effort. But now you're down Pacioretty, you're down Stone. What is it that the team needs to do to tweak things to be able to be productive and remain defensive at the same end to get Leonard some goal support? I mean, I think the biggest conversation piece throughout the last few days has been attention to detail. And I think when you start with attention to detail, it's all about turning defense into offense, which this team has shown under Pete DeBoer that it is very capable of doing so. You look at that goal from Carlson the other night. They turned a, a good play along the boards into a two-on-one through the neutral zone and turned it into a goal. They're going to have to get some of those odd man rushes. They're going to have to get some of those, you know, two-one, three-two plays going the other way, because right now you look at the lineup. Who else outside of the Carlson line is going to score? They're hoping Peyton Krebs will get that chance now that he's going up to the top line with Chandler Stevenson and Nick Waugh. But other than that, you get, you're hoping Evgeny Dadanov can get something going. You're hoping that Nolan Patrick can probably get something down low. You're hoping Matthias Yanmar coming back from COVID protocol tonight, if he's going into the lineup, you hope that he can actually produce something. It, it's going to come down by committee, and uh, right now, you look at this lineup, I don't know exactly who outside of the misfit line is going to be able to produce a consistent scoring basis with those two guys out. You want to hope that maybe a Trangelo, maybe Theodore, but you don't want those guys playing so up close to the goal line that all of a sudden now they're leaving their responsibilities in the back end. So your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea how they're going to do it, and I think Pete DeBoer said it best the other day. Right now, it's just about keeping their head above water until something clicks. Well, and, and you know, and the thing with and you talk about using that defense is in when he was in San Jose, that was a big or, or you know a big idea. His a big system part part of his system was Brent Burns. William Carlson, or excuse me, William Eric Carlson, having his defense be a part of that offensive production, turning defense into offense, and and somewhat, you know, getting the the team going in transition. And when he got here, we somewhat saw that uh, we saw that transition into the Golden Knights. Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, do they have the capabilities right now, based on the lack of somewhat forward star power? Um, does he try to make sure that they're paired with the misfit line? How does he get his defensemen a little more productive? What can you see him doing? And where do you see them bolstering which line, which offensive line? I think that that's really the key there is he likes to switch things up so much, right? So he'll have Petrangelo and tonight it'll be Hague. He'll like to get them with the bottom six to kind of get those guys going. Or it'll be with Theodore and tonight it'll be White Cloud. Try and get them up with the misfit line. It's going to be interesting to watch because Petrangelo, I think, by far and away was the best skater on the ice on Wednesday for the Golden Knights. He was very active trying to make as many plays as he possibly could. He did everything right in that game, albeit that turnover in the third period, which, you know, wipe that from your memory bank. Everything else was fine. Theodore, I think, is the wild card here because you get, we got to remember he was out for the whole, almost all of training camp, almost all the preseason, actually all the preseason except for one game, and he's still trying to kind of get his way back into game shape. And 
he has not looked great the first few games of this season. So it's probably going to take him some time to get going as well. And I think the best way to do it, I think, is to continue with what they've been doing, kind of get them closer toward the goal line, maybe not fully up there, but at least get them enough space to where if there's a good enough shot from the, from the circle, if there's a good enough shot in the slot, let them take it because there were a couple of instances last night or on Wednesday when, you know, Petrangelo would be working his way up to the slot. Carlson and Smith would work their way back through the, through, uh, the point to sort of cover his tracks. And I think you're going to see a little bit more of that as it goes through. It's just going to be interesting to see how long they can do that. And especially if they can do that against McDavid and Dreisaitl tonight, because if you make any mistake against those guys, they're turning it the other way, and it's almost an automatic goal. So they they can be aggressive, just I don't think tonight would be the night to be too aggressive. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Robin Leonard. You know, the, the big talk during training camp was the weight that he lost, um, you know, and just coming in with that mindset now that Flurry's gone. Um, what have you seen? You know, in terms of his production, how he's done, and have you noticed any? I really personally haven't noticed anything different in his movement, in his game. He he's shown a little bit of the, he's flashed a little bit of the leather. He's he's somewhat shown us, you know, uh, a, a little bit more of an agility. I really haven't seen much more, you know, quickness or or any flurry like skills. Um, but what have you seen from him, and and what he's brought so far into the season? He looks solid. I mean, you you take away that L.A. game, I think that was an entire cluster from literally everybody on the team, from all 12 forwards, six defensemen. That was just a bad game. You wiped that out. You look at Seattle, he gave up he allowed a couple of goals that maybe he shouldn't have given up. That's fine. But Wednesday, I think, was probably his best performance as a Golden Knight because just the, the saves he was making, he looked calm, he looked composed in the crease. That first period where I think St. Louis got out to a, what, 9-2 to two shot advantage through the first, what, eight, nine minutes, looked, looked amazing. He, and like you said, he hasn't, he hasn't looked like the flurry agility type of ordeal there, but he's been calm, he's been composed, he's looked really good. And it's unfortunate that last, or on Wednesday, I, it, he should have won that game. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him or his teammates, but he deserved to win that game the way that he played in the first period. It, it, he does look a little bit quicker, like going side to side, but it's not like eye popping. But you can tell that the little bit of weight or the weight that he lost, probably not even a little bit, but a good amount of weight that he lost, it kind of has transitioned well onto the ice. And he's, he, I think he's probably looked the best he's looked in the crease in his career to this point. I know it's early and we're probably going to see more of it tonight and tonight he'll be heavily tested, but to me, he looked really good. Danny, good job. Tell people where they can find your stuff, where you are on Twitter. Well, if you want uh, lame jokes and everything of the, of the, uh, the same, you can just follow me on Twitter at Danny Webster 21 and find all my work on NHL.com. All right, Danny, appreciate it. We, I will see you in a couple hours, buddy. Keep my seat warm and uh, we'll talk to you in a little bit. We'll do, it, buddy. See you then. Thank you, guys. Have having me on. There he is, Danny Webster. Uh, obviously, the story of the game tonight, as you discussed multiple times. Connor McDavid out of the gate so far. Yeah. Season just started, right? He's got eight goals. Sure. Already, uh, my lord, uh, and he's been just a freaking beast over the course of his career. 
against the Golden Knights. Ten career games, he's got seven goals and 15 points. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. That's my brother from another mother. That was my uh, my roommate in college and things like that. I mean, this is what we working at Alabama. This is what stuff that we dreamed of, just being able to play against each other in the NFL. I mean, now we're here. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. Well, we knew those Bama teams were awesome. The wide receiver room was freaking loaded. That's Devontae Smith, who's with the Eagles, talking about brother from another mother. And Henry Ruggs, who is leading the National Football League in yards per catch at 22.3. Last week, what, the Raiders had seven plays in excess of 25 yards. That's unheard of. Yeah. So the setup for this Eagles game is pretty damn good. First of all, Raiders better be focused. Because the Eagles feel like they have their backs against the wall. By the way, we're going to talk to a couple of former Eagles, Mark McMillan and Barrett Brooks. Barrett works in the Philly market, so I can't wait uh, to hear from him. He works at NBC Sports Philly. Like, how pissed off, how fired. You know Eagles fans are freaking lunatics, right? But this is a massive game for the Raiders, and they've set things up nicely here with a chance to go to the bye week, Willie, at 5-2. and two. Their offense... I think he's in a great position. Offensive line still work in progress. You got Carr playing well. You got now space potentially in the middle of the field because Ruggs is freaking ripping the top off the defense and actually catching balls. Brian Edwards. Now you got a healthy Josh Jacobs. We saw the emergence of Kenyon Drake in the playbook. So, like, we're building this up. Now they could just as easily go out and not be focused and lose the game, but everything on offense is in place to have a good game. But the, it's that uh, it's I go back to that Josh Jacobs comment, and here's the thing: the letdown in laying an egg would be where they played really well in Denver, and they come home, and all they hear about is the things that they did wrong. Now that normally you want, yes, you want to come home and correct mistakes, but based off what we're hearing from Jacobs, you know how would have, how would have Gruden handled this, and how did Bisaccia handle it? Like, did they say, "Great, good job, guys. Let's feed off this. Here's what we did. Here's what we did," and then say, "Let's go correct it," or would Gruden have come home and just hammered stuff? And maybe that's why the offensive line felt some pressure. Maybe he, maybe they felt so much pressure for such an iconic figure, and now they don't. Um, you're right. It's set up perfectly, and I think the 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 aura, if you will, right now over there is is in a positive way, um, and they just want to get through this week. You know, Billy's got issues on their own, and 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 I think that Las Vegas has to sort of expose and, and take advantage of some of Philly's weaknesses on the defensive side and on the offensive side. You know, um, they haven't shown a lot of productivity, and they haven't showed consistent productivity since that season opening win. You know, they've had flashes here or there. They got another win under the belt, but they've shown more deficiencies than anything. And while Vegas's offense has produced those big plays that they weren't used to and Carr's feeling himself, he's leading the league in those 20-plus uh, pass completions – they got to take advantage of it and just go for the jugular. They got to, they 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 start. They talked about starting out fast. They did first time in eleven games. They scored that opening drive. Right. They got to come out and just con- step on Philly's throat. Now you talked about uh, Barrett coming off from NBC Sports. Um, there was a tweet earlier, and from John Clark, NBC Sports out there. The tweet reads: Eagles fans will be taking over Vegas. Here are some videos. 
Birds fans sent me of packed flights to Sin City. Eagles Raiders is the most expensive ticket of the weekend now with 33% of secondary sales coming from PA at a specific ticket place. The Dolphins fans were loud. Took them to overtime. The Bears fans drowned out and made it seem like the Raiders were the guests. Mm -hmm. They lost. The Monday night game was electric. That went to overtime. Eagles fans are going to be no joke. You talk about two of the most raucous uh, fan bases from when the Raiders were in Oakland and the Eagles in Philly. I mean, come on. So this is – this. Is there going to be extra security on hand? There should be. I was just practicing. Did somebody my, uh, lock up that slot machine? My, my Philly punching stance. Do I, <laughs> do I got South Bar conventional? Did somebody lock up that UNLV slot machine? Because that thing might be on a plane going back to Philly. It's going to be good, man. Hopefully, there's no fights. Uh, join us this weekend, Football Central, nine o'clock on Sunday morning. We go live at the Superbook. That's where Football Central is at eight o'clock. It'll be me and Adam Candy giving you the latest line and injury updates. John Murray. Hit Sharps versus Squares at 842. It's all called the Sunday Football Preview Show. Food and drink specials during Football Central, like the breakfast with the breakfast burrito, the breakfast sandwich. That's early in the day. Gooch from Comp is in the theater giving out prizes. Football Central this Sunday at the Westgate Theater inside the Superbook. Week 8, the place to be to watch the NFL is the Westgate Resort and Casino. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Just kicking off a Friday edition of Cofield and Company. I've been looking forward to this conversation all week long. Mark McMillan, our football cider, is in. He played for the Eagles. The Eagles are taking on the Raiders. We've got Barrett Brooks on the horn here as well. He's all fired up, and I know both of you guys, Mark, are not real thrilled with what's going on with this Eagles 2-4 and four start. Always good to have my man B uh, Brooks on. Uh, you know, I've been back in Philly like probably like three times already, and I always make sure I tune in to my guys, him and Seth, man, because they tell it like it is. Um, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a little different on other radio stations in different states, but there's nothing like Philadelphia radio, man. So, what what are your thoughts and what is some of your uh, insight uh, that you feel about the coaching staff, the offensive side of the ball? Um, I know a lot of people are trying to run Jalen out of the run out of Philly already. But then we got Sirianni, who's rocking Dr. J shirts. He's rocking Eric Allen T-shirts. He's like he's like the young college coach trying to be cool. What is your take on that? I'm going to tell you the truth, man. You, you can't <laughs> run Jalen Hurts out of there, man, because at this point they're not giving him a, a, a chance to be a player. I mean, you're asking a guy to go out there and run RPOs, and I understand you saying, well, that's what he's better suited to do. That might you know help his skill set a lot better in having him handle the ball. But you can't just force feed RPOs to people because – Defensive coordinators get paid millions of dollars yeah. to stop offenses. And it's just too easy to start stop an RPO type of offense because all you have to do is slant the end. That's going to make him pull the ball from the running back. Mm-hmm. So if you've stopped the running aspect of it, so now you can just call it PO. But when they're doing that, they're scraping <laughs> the linebackers around to hit the quarterback, and then they're dropping a safety to stop the slants and all the other passing mm-hmm. routes that come off the P for the pass. So now you have RP and then O. And it's the O is oh oh no, because yeah, yeah, now oh. you take away you you've taken that away, you know, what what the quarterback can do. You take away yeah. the run from the running back, you take away the pass from the quarterback. Now he's improvising. That's all he's been doing. He's been trying to improvise from an imperfect offense. Yeah, so how you, fair is that? 
It's you, not fair you look at all. at uh, I, I broke down a little bit of the Tampa Bay Buccaneer game. Obviously, I was there to see it live. And what you said exactly, you know, you slant the end. And as soon as he thought he was open, that linebacker scraped over the top and was just sitting there waiting for him. And, you know, people don't see that. Right. They just seem like, oh, my gosh, so, you know, the play is terrible. But they had a great game plan. They were just sitting there waiting for him all the time. And, you know, it, it's tough for him. Like I said, I'm, I'm pulling for the young man. But you cannot run Miles Sanders one time in the whole first half. And he may be your best athlete as far as, you know, production uh, in the offense. I mean, you're asking you, – you, you, you run one called run play. You give the ball to Miles Sanders one time. That's it, one time. How do you expect to have a running game? I have never been a part of a scheme in which we we ran the ball only one time. I know when I was with, you know, all the teams I played for, we do a, a first 15. That's what you do. You have 15 best plays. You go to the sit-down you, with the quarterback, offensive coordinator, and head coach. And you come out with the best 15 plays to run for the first 15 plays in the game. Well, they suck. I don't think they even do it. I mean, it's like they're just pulling, you know, plays out of a hat. You can't do that. And you can't allow your, your your quarterback to go out there and 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 you know virtually go out there and have to freestyle because the defensive yeah. coordinator stopped your main play. Man, it's, it's it's totally unfair to ask this young guy to go out there and carry this team the way they're asking him to carry him, and then get pissed off saying, "All right, he's not ready." No, he, he's ready. He just needs more of a a, a chance, a fighting chance. You're gonna put the soul. Uh, the sole function of the offense in one guy's hand. That's not fair. That's not even fair to Joe Montana or anybody else. Right. Give him a running game. You know, to run the ball three times in a game, I thought I'd never see that in my life. Yeah. Well, I saw it again this last game against San Fran because they yeah. ran one run play in the first half. You just can't do it. It's, yeah. it's not fair to, 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 to the quarterback. It is not fair to the running back. You know, I, I bet there, I mean, if they had a, a player portal, like, you know, college football. Oh, he just Miles have been transferred already. Miles have been right. out of there. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Him, him and a second team guy, you yeah, know. Yeah. That's the voice of Barrett Brooks. He works for NBC Philadelphia, played offensive line for the Eagles and won a Super Bowl with the Steelers. Mark McMillan, our buddy here in Las Vegas, is with us. Boston Scott, he's just he just he's just there. Right. You know, right. He, he hasn't even got a I don't think since that first uh first game he's had a rep. You know, he's been on the field besides special teams. Yeah. He hasn't been on the field. And here you are, you know, you draft this kid in the fourth round, and he shows you. He shows you that he can play. Yeah. Kenneth Gainwell is not – he didn't touch the ball last game. Didn't touch it. How does your second-team running back not touch the ball at all? That's he, just not fair, man. He's just over there chilling, man, over there with right. cheesesteak, you know what I'm saying, and, and, <laughs> and, some, and some cheese fries, you know, from right there, from Chickies and Peach right there on Packer Avenue. Right, so he, right. <laughs> he's just chilling. So we switched to the defensive side of the ball – um, you know, it's almost like a bend but don't break. But Philadelphia is built on defense and to get after these guys. And I am constantly on number four. I don't even say his name. Number 49 is killing us. <laughs> I, I, I've never seen a, a linebacker take so much punishment and can't cover. He probably can't cover me out of the backfield right now. And I can't even run. Right. And, you know, I know Slay. I know the, the, the statistics about Slay uh, being one of the cover corners. But the defense play all zone. Yep. And I'm thinking, like, Slay, if you're the guy, you need to be following the best receiver at all times. Don't sit back. You should be going in the defensive coordinator room and be like, okay, against Kansas City. Tyreek Hill tore them a new t- a booty hole. Yep. Put me on Tyreek. If Kelsey gets off, okay, we can live with that. But Tyreek was the guy, and he, he just went nuts. So Busting for 100, over 180 yards. 
yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, even schematically, you know, I, they're just fall. They're just faltered in every aspect of how they're running that defense, you know, because you have the athletes for the first time. You have the athletes that can go out and you can blitz. You can go out and blitz knowing that your secondary is good enough to go out there and cover man to man. But they're right. playing off seven yards. You give seven yards to Tom Brady, he's going to make it look like pitch and catch yeah. all day long. You know, seven yards on first down. Now, you know, it's, it's, it's second and three. You, your whole offensive of playbook doubles with, when you're going second and three. And that's what happened to start the game off. Then they started running the rock on them because they met them, They make their front four just sit there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Have them rush up the field. You can't do that because then you can double team the guys up front. You double team your two assets, you know, Fletcher Cox and, and Hargraves. Right. When you double team them guys, you know, it's giving you more likely a chance to, to play whatever play you want to do. So that's the problem right there. That's number one. Then number two, when you have linebackers, there's a thing called impact, wait, wait, impact wait, wait, tackles. Wait, you, you, your keyword said when. Yeah, well, that's what I'm trying to get. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to say we had it, but, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter if you, 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 get, you have 15 tackles when eight of those tackles are eight yards down the field. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, but, it's but he's all on social media. He's on the pictures and posting pictures and the end zones like, Bruh, you are you, you're getting tackled for first downs. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you know, it's such thing as an impact tackle. An impact tackle is a tackle that's either in the backfield three yards or or three yards beyond the, the uh, line of scrimmage. Those are impact tackles. That means you're only getting three yards for those tackles. He doesn't have any impact tackles because he's always you know seventy. And it's not it's it's almost by fault of teaching these guys how to read. I mean, they yeah. brought in. Eric Wilson, he has done nothing. He has, you know, his he has no impact tackles either. Yeah. The defensive line is getting double teamed back into their laps because they're still staying in linebacker depth when the play is still going on. Yeah. You got to go eat some of that cushion up. You see a double team as a linebacker, you're supposed to go up there and get the man off your double team. Yeah. <laughs> that way, because you know the ball is coming. If they're double teamed, the ball is coming that way. Yeah. You got to come up and initiate. That way, if he does come off on you, you're there filling your hole in your gap. And that defensive line is filling his gap. One of you got to win to go make the tackle. Right. You can't make the tackle when you're getting dumped seven <laughs> yards down the field. I mean, come on, man. Former Eagles Mark McMillan and Barrett Brooks getting us ready for the Raiders and the Eagles game. Yeah. You know, gap, gap assignment. You know, you, you kind of break that down for people because people are like, what do you mean about getting the guy off a double team? I knew, you know, uh, when Reggie White was getting double team. Clyde and Seth, they'll you know they'll they'll come off the guy's shoulder, so they'll fill that gap, whether it's the A gap or the B gap. Exactly, and that's like what it said, is. But, but but their gaps are wide open, and no one is filling the gaps because there's he's not coming. They're sitting back at linebacker, meaning they're five to six yards off the ball. And once they see the double team, he's got to go fill his gap. If he has the A gap. The A gap is between the center and the guard. If he has an A gap, he got to fill that A gap, knowing that they're double teaming, trying to get the ball to run through that gap. Then when he goes down there, if the double team goes to, um, you know, it, it takes that double team off. Yeah. Now you're one on one. Now you have your guy in your gap where he's blocking you, trying to block you, but you filled your gap. So the running back can't run through that gap because you're there and the guards there. Then the now the tackle is one on one with 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 the tackle. I, you know, I, I think he'll beat that guy all day and twice on Sunday yeah. if you give him an opportunity to just a one on one block. Yeah. You're filling your gaps. There's nowhere to run through those gaps. Now you can make the tackle around the line of scrimmage. I suppose just waiting back there five, six yards and waiting until, you know, the double team gets to you. Now the gap is tremendous because you're on different levels. Right. Now you have a gap that's three, you know, three to four feet wide as opposed to it being just right there at the line of scrimmage where your gap is supposed to be. 
Mark McMillan, Barrett Brooks, former Eagles. They're not happy. The Eagles fans are not happy. Eagles are coming to take on the Raiders. Guys, we got to close on this because it's very important to get your take on uh, the Raiders side and the coaching change. So whoever wants to start, uh, give me your take on what happened with John Gruden and the way the Raiders players reacted last week. Yeah, he was our coach. You know, he was he was yeah. he, he was there when we were there and um he was my first offensive coordinator. And I think it's one of those things he just likes to run his mouth too much. That's all. That's what Gruden was. He just talked too much. I remember there's times where him and Ricky Waters would get into, you know, saying almost fist fights because he run his mouth too much. He just likes to talk too much. Now, as for him being a guy that you say he's 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 prejudiced and all that stuff, it never showed to me. Right. Because at that point he was young in ex career. He was, he was, you know, at that time he was like the new savant as far as, you know, offensive play calling, uh, you know, that everybody was looking at, you know, the new wave guys coming in. He was that guy at the time and he knew he needed us to be on his side. So he kind of catered to us a little bit, but I guess as he got a little more power, he decided he wanted to say whatever the heck he wants to say and when he wants to say it, <laughs> yeah. well, sir, you can't do that. And they asked me, you know, well, how do I feel about Gruden now? Um, if I was to see Gruden now, I go up to Gruden and I say, man, why would you say that? I'd probably punch him in the face, knock him out. But then after that, I would go over, pick him up, dust him off and say, hey, man, you know better. Don't do that anymore. And we'll go off and go have dinner somewhere or go hit some golf balls or something. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I know Gruden as a man. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I thought he's that guy. But he just talks too much. And he, he got a little, you know, a little too overly uh, beside himself and said some stuff he know he shouldn't have said. He probably said it in a manner that he wanted to say it in, too. He meant what he said. Right. But like I said, you know, like I, I pick him up and dust him off, but he'd know better than to say it next time. Yeah, and yeah. like I said, you know, to, to piggyback off that, you're talking about lunch. You know, I, I see him uh, last week. You know, he was in, uh, you know, we all go to the same church, Randall, Cunningham Church, and then, you know, we're sitting there in, in the pool pit, and, and, you know, my family's like, is that John? And I was, I was shocked. You know, I was shocked to see him, uh, you know, out and, you know, it's a it's a it's a dominant, you know, it's African-American church, you yeah, know, yeah. And, you know, so to see him, you know, face the fire, uh, yep. you know, uh, I, I, I meet, you know, I went up to him, I hugged him, I said, I love you. Uh, like I said, we've, you know, I've been in the in, in the meeting rooms with him. Um, he's coming to the meeting rooms and, and, and picked my brain as far as the offensive side. Uh, I've never had a, you know, like I said, he got he got he got large. You know, yep. you give somebody a hundred, a hundred million smacks and, you know, you figure like, OK, well, I can say what I want to say. It's all in good faith, uh, all in good fun. And most of those guys in those higher positions, I guarantee you, like uh, Derek Carr said, you open up everything and them dudes going to be running around like roaches when the lights come on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, yeah. Know, so, <laughs> you know, it's just he was just a guy that they went after um, and, and he's a guy that, that they got. Should he have been fired for what he said? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, you know, but like I told him, I still love him as a man. Um, you know, we, we're going to go out to lunch and, and his first, his text back was like my treat. And I said, absolutely. Cause you got all the money. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, man, I'll just knock him out. But I, I go after I knocked him out, I go over, pick him up, dust him off. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, we'll go to dinner or lunch. You know, that's what it is. Uh, last one. What do you guys think of, uh, I guess specifically what Josh Jacobs said. He said the sideline was a lot calmer this last game. Uh, without John Gruden. So are they going to be fine moving forward with Basaccia and then all the coordinators in place? you think they're going to have a good season? You know, they were headed in the right direction. So, I mean, I, I would say that, uh, I would say that you know, they, they're going to be all right. They're not going to win their division. But, they, I mean, they're, they're going to be all right. You know, once the dust calms down and everything and, and they go out there and they don't win one for the Gipper, you know, it, it, you know <laughs> we'll see what, what direction they go. But they won one for, um, they won one for, the, for, the, for their, 
you know, interim head coach last week. I looked at the game last night. Maybe Denver just sucks, you know. So yeah, I mean, that, that may be the case. Yeah, but we'll see. Teddy, <laughs> we'll see, Teddy, man. Well, Teddy gonna be doing uh, Zoom calls in in a, in a minute. The way he <laughs> the way he's been playing, he, Teddy ain't playing pretty good, you know. So, uh, like I said, I, I I like the Raiders. I like the way that they're going. Uh, obviously, playing on the road really helped those guys to kind of get away. Uh, and be away from all the, the the drama. But you're coming home. You're still going to hear the talk about it. But it's it's a veteran team. Uh, you know, they brought veterans into this organization yep. for moments just like this. And, uh, you know, for Jacobs to come out and say that, you know, he's still young. Um, I wouldn't say calm, but, heck, he played for Nick Saban. How calm right. can, you know, say how, how calm can a sideline really get, you know? So, it, 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 you know, he, John's going to challenge you. That's the way he is. And, you know, Josh has been in and out of the lineup. He's been hurt a lot. Uh, now he's supposed to be the healthiest of his career. You, you, uh, notice, you notice that you notice the, 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 the big Alabama push he's got going on here. I'll, everybody's just talking about just now from Alabama, man. <laughs> and, I hear you. And, I hear you. And, well, and I, don't, I don't know. When I turn on the NFL, it's like, well, I'm just watching college football all over again. <laughs> <laughs> love you, bro. Love you, bro. I love you too, man. <laughs> Barrett, thank you so much. That was an awesome spot. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Coville. Appreciate you, man. You too, Mark. We'll see you. Barrett Brooks, Mark McMillan here. Giveaway time. Caller 6 and 7, 364-1100, 364-1100. More VIP tables for you, the listener, to Crazy Horse Three Gentlemen's Club, the best after party in town after the Las Vegas game right across from the stadium. You walk over. If you don't get one of these VIP tables, admission is free. Just show your ticket from the game. For you VIP table winners, Ari will tell you what you're hooked up with. All the best from Crazy Horse 3 Gentlemen's Club. I'll be there from 4 to 7 with Fox Sports Radio, getting ready for and watching the Sunday night football game. But call in 364-1100 to get a chance to get the VIP treatment at Crazy Horse 3 Gentlemen's Club, home of the best after party following Las Vegas games, 364-1100. Stick around. Cofield & Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios.